one of the main reasons why we really crave it is because we don't want to know that we don't fit into a circle. I think it it's nice to feel wanted and to be included. And I think it stems from that fear of rejection. And that's really where we crave it. Hey guys, my name is Akshita. I'm a data analyst and a travel enthusiast. I'm Anand. I'm a finance bro and a tech geek. And you're listening to The Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior. Lessons from pop culture and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient and happy life. Hi, Akshita. How are you? Hey, Anag. I'm fine. How are you doing? <laughs> good, good. Uh, how's your week been? Please don't say busy. It's no, it's not been busy. It's been very sleepy. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I feel so. I feel like I'm just sleeping all the time when I look back at what I did during my entire week. But uh, yeah, just being the same old, you know, stuff like you're sitting at home, works there, no social life yet. <laughs> but yeah. For once, I have an active social life and you don't, which is hey, really nice. nice. <laughs> That's a nice change. Yeah. yeah. And, um, our mutual friend who works for Coca-Cola is back in the city, so I'm quite excited for that. Uh, although I don't know how that happens, but the two people I know who work for Coca-Cola are the two people who don't drink Coca-Cola at all. I feel like they should hire me. <laughs> My fridge is 12 cans of Diet Coke right now. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Very interesting. Hmm. All right. So uh, who do we have as the guest for today? Yes, so today we have our um, classmate Arpita Mohan from Australia. And Arpita, you could please go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me here today. Um, Just to do a quick introduction, my name's Arpita. I'm in Australia right now in Sydney. Um, While I've actually lived in several countries, I spend most of my time in Dubai and yeah, just shifted gears and I'm here in Sydney. Um, from an education perspective, I did my undergrad in finance, and since then I've been working in consulting with a focus on automation and process optimization. Um, outside of work, I really enjoy my fitness side, so I'm really big on my whole aerial yoga, Pilates, and bar. And one thing that I really love to do is watch sports. And I'm a big tennis fan. So that's one thing that I'm glad that I've kind of picked up as well over the last few months. And I've been playing a lot of tennis and I'm looking forward to the French Open finals today. So yeah, that's a bit about me. Oh, that is uh, a unique set of hobbies you have there, Alpata. Uh, and it's interesting that you mentioned bar classes. So uh, in 2017, I was uh, bamboozled into going to attend a bar class. And as you can imagine, the demographic there was very different from what I <laughs> I uh, fit into. Uh, and that was an interesting experience that I would possibly never want to recreate in my life. It's uh, a good exercise routine, though. I think, yeah, I think it's very physically challenging, although people don't like give it that much like emphasis on it. But it, it's mm-hmm. a good one. It's a good one to keep. But yeah. I do know a lot of like my colleagues, senior guys who actually really enjoyed it. So I think maybe eventually you might <laughs> get a like, I will try my best. Uh, yeah, I feel like both of you should go together. I love it. I just enjoy watching. I, so I had, when I signed up for it, I had no idea what it was. It just sounded like some, I, I assumed it's something like P90X or CrossFit. And then I go there and it's just 
only women there like literally only women there and i was like <laughs> i'm probably in the wrong room <laughs> uh but yeah it's uh it's an it's it's um interesting form of exercise i pilates bar uh i find them quite uh different from your regular strength training and crossfit and all of that although i don't think it's my cup of tea okay so what's what's the topic for today oh uh, uh, yeah okay so today we talk about something i feel like all of us as human beings uh, face it is why do we crave social validation or acceptance um it's a fun topic <laughs> and let's see how we want to go about it so what i mean anas and arpita what do you like what do you think social acceptance or validation means like what is it in its most basic form mean for me i feel like it's just something everyone likes to feel belonged or everyone likes to feel like you know um social acceptance is very different from validation social acceptance is where you are getting your, your likes not in the term of social media but everyone's kind of liking what you do everyone's kind of accepting what you do and you're getting that positivity and validation is somewhere where people are agreeing to what you do or say whether they actually believe it or not believe it or not so that's the very raw feeling of what validation and social acceptance means for me what is what do you all think about it I would agree with what you're saying Akshita yeah it's pretty much along those lines and I think it's yeah that desire to be wanted and included and I think that really stems from that need for acceptance which then also kind of turns into validation I think in some ways they're both very correlated but there is a distinction between with that okay and then so I assume that to some level all everyone behaves in a way that kind of uh agrees to whatever are sort of the unwritten rules of society and uh you know to to eventually get that sort of social acceptance and validation uh but how would someone who is not craving social validation behave in, is um is that completely uh out of the question or do you know people or can you can you visualize someone who would be like that um so i do know a few people who I, so i personally don't think there's anyone who 100% does not crave or does not like uh, okay not crave but maybe not like social validation or social acceptance but i don't know a few people who um are so involved within themselves that they kind of fulfill their own acceptance they don't need society's uh, you know positive or inclusive ways to feel that but then that also starts coming out as a little egoistic where you start saying that okay i believe in what i'm doing i don't need anybody else's uh, validation for it and that kind of can sometimes come off very narcissistic or uh, egoistic but at least that those are the kind of people i've seen around me how about you arpita yeah i would agree with the fact that i don't think anyone there are like 100% people out there who don't conform to this whole social validation and acceptance piece but i do think there are a lot of people who aren't necessarily that perturbed by it and i think it stems from yeah exactly the fact that they have that i guess that level of self awareness where they're less bothered by what other people think of them and they do want to stand by what they believe in and i think it's just the extent to which they show it but not as much as nobody ever needing validation i think at the end of the day you want it in some form be it from a social perspective or even from like a work front but having that acceptance and validation does help and i do think people do show it all right 
so let's uh, dive into more uh, sort of personal experiences now so have you do you uh, crave social validation and if yes can you give an example of a story when you altered your behavior or went against sort of your first instinct uh, to get more social acceptance or validation so i think crave would be a bit strong but at the same time i think the extent to which i would want it would differ based on the circumstances but yeah if i had to dive in and think of an example of a time when it really when i felt like i went against my first instinct i think it would probably go back several years i think this is generally during a teenage years where you really need that need to fit in and you want to be accepted by everyone around you and particularly in a new environment so for me that was a case when i just switched schools and i felt like the people around me were a lot different to me i think the way that they behaved their manners and their conversation style was a lot different to what i had been exposed to and i think at that point i think i did consciously make an effort to try and fit into those circumstances even though i felt like that was not really who i was and i did alter that way i think it there were like a couple of different things i think just generally in terms of my likes and dislikes i found myself kind of adapting to that environment just to be able to fit into the group but interestingly enough i think after spending a lot of time in that way of behaving i did see myself switch gears and behave like i was then oddly enough you know you aren't necessarily like left out for having that mannerism and i think and i think that that was one of the things that i did that did strike me which was the fact that when you have that craving to be socially accepted and validated immediately you do adapt to a certain style of talking and behaving but i think once you're in that group you find yourself falling back to your usual ways if you're aware of the fact that you were doing that intentionally and that then got me to thinking whether you know you ever really needed to change yourself to fit in or whether you could have just behaved the way you had and you would have been accepted listen i think that's an experiment that i haven't really tried out but i do wonder whether you wonderly needed to change themselves to really fit in at that Okay so this was about behavior but do you think uh this kind of also extends to sort of your opinion about things so for example uh, you feel strongly about topic a and you're 100% against it then you have a conversation with us and we like no we we're all for a so uh, your stance on it might may not completely do a 180 but it might still go from staunchly against a to being sort of slightly against a uh, in that sense yeah absolutely i think it does play a role like when particularly like when you're surrounded by a bunch of people like in this case like say for instance i really wanted both of you guys to accept me or something like that along those lines and i felt like you guys had a strong opinion on a topic that i may have had a difference of opinion on and this was the first time that i was meeting you guys and i just felt the need to fit in i think there have been instances where you alter that way of thinking because you're aware of the fact that they're observing you you're kind of trying to create an impression and yeah you do tend to hold back on your opinion at that point because you don't want them to think of you a certain way and i have maybe at certain instances in the past definitely faced that situation where i may have felt strongly about a particular topic this could have been like sports related for instance where i was totally against a team or a particular player but i found myself kind of holding back on that perspective because i just felt like me having a difference of opinion would have impacted the way that the person met me and i do think that definitely trickles down to opinions as well all right how about you akshita yeah so um i think everything that arpita said is something that um i have also kind of so 
my background is also very similar i've kind of moved around quite a bit uh during my childhood years and for me it was more like you know once i get into a new place get into a new school and by the time i settle down i cannot have to move back again within like the same year so for me it was a lot of i wanted to get into that circle social circles really like really quickly because i didn't have the time to you know kind of play it out and spend a few years spend a few months into the class and then kind of make my own friends so in terms of behavior interests hobbies yes it used to happen where i might not know anything about anything at all and just seeing that this is something pre- prevalent in a particular social group at kind of i wouldn't say forcefully but consciously try to get myself involved in that thing just so that i can connect to those set of people deep more deeper but then when it comes to opinions as you asked anag i don't think that i would change my opinion it might might change a little bit because according to the conversation that we are having but i think i've noticed this one thing maybe my interests might change or they might kind of conform to what i what i'm surrounded with but my opinions about something if i'm very strongly opinionated about something they will not change and that's one thing that i've kind of realized over the years that that's the only thing that is still mine so i kind of want to keep it that way even though it's not easy in all situations as you said that sometimes you know when you're talking about something and everyone in that group is according to opinion a and you are opinion b you would at some point be like okay fine few aspects and few parts of opinion a make sense and that happens but then i still stick to the base of what i believe in so in that sense i think social acceptance even though it's it's very likely for people to kind of pivot what they're believing in um i still think it's important to still keep your first instinct as your own okay and i know as i alluded to this a little bit but do you think your need for um social validation is over the years um and why why do you think um i'm really not sure if i if it's if it has changed or not because now as well i see myself if i'm surrounded by a new group of people who are interested in one thing and i have no idea about what it is at all i will go out of my way to get more information about that thing but then i don't think it's about social acceptance it's more about being connected deeper to those set of people so i don't know how you can probably take it as being accepted in that group and being able to have those conversations and not feeling left out but uh, yeah that's not the intention i don't know if that makes sense kind of does but uh, add building on that and do you think this sort of behavior changes based on if you're dealing with a group or you're dealing with an individual like a new person one on one um like apata what do you think from a one on one perspective i think you're less inclined i think in some ways to really try and conform to a social norm i think you feel less pressurized to agree with what the other person's thinking i think cuz this is one way of building that one on one relationship and you're not really trying to please a big crowd so i do think that the degree to which you try and conform to what other people are thinking is far less so when it's one on one and that's where i find it's a lot more natural but adding to like the previous point about you know whether it has like changed over the years i do think it has a lot to do with the connections and that you've built over the years so for instance like with the time that you spent with the people over the years you've built that deeper relationship so you're less inclined to find the need to be accepted and validated because you've built that circle and that group that you're around 
But I do think that it shifts from a social perspective to a more maybe professional perspective or an other side because you have tendency to need to establish yourself in that place. So I do think it may change gears into a different focus rather than from a social and personal front to a more professional front. And I do think that tends to happen. And uh, do you also feel that uh, past experiences of getting acceptance is going to reduce your need for or reduce your fear of getting acceptance, even if it's in the new group? So like, for example, uh, when you're a teenager, you absolutely have no historical experiences or data about how the society is going to accept you. But let's say you grew up and you were able to get a lot of acceptance in high school and you went to undergrad. Uh, now you've come to grad school. Uh, because you have that past experience of having gotten acceptance, your risk or the fear in your head of, okay, I have I have been accepted by society before, so I don't need to really bend over backwards to do that. Does, does that kind of figure into your thought process? Or if it's a completely new society circle it goes exactly back to being how you were is it? um i i wouldn't i think it's in the at this stage of life like one as you said you've reached grad school you've kind of had those experiences in the past i don't think it's one or the other you wouldn't want to you know bend over backwards to do that but also you wouldn't go back to where you were in your teenagers and kind of go through that same process of uh, wanting to be socially accepted and then then doing xyz accordingly right now it's a very healthy mix of kind of finding your own people where when i say own people is just people that you don't have to put effort to to be accepted or to feel uh, included and i think that reaching this age or whatever we've kind of get, gotten that maturity and it's not like when we were teenagers you know we just want whatever like whoever is the more socially accepted person or whoever is famous etc etc you kind of wanted to be around or somewhere related to that those kind of things and i think right now we have kind of become mature in that sense Arpita, do you agree with what akshita said yeah i think to an extent yeah definitely i think from a perspective of you know your past experiences do tend to make you reduce that need for social acceptance and I think that definitely does because you've found where you fit in you've kind of built a relationship with specific people and you know what you like and you don't dislike and who you want to surround yourself with but at the same time I think maybe subconsciously you still do find that need you know like even over the years like be it at grad school be it and you know even in a professional sense I think you might just have that slight inclination or that desire to just be wanted not that or rather you don't want to be rejected. I think more than being wanted, you just don't want to be rejected and left out. So I think you still have at least a minute need to just be fitting in. And I think it doesn't necessarily go away. I think it's just there at a different level as we Okay. So my, my take on this is that I've, my behavior has always been very social acceptance, validation seeking, uh, almost to the extent of being a, a yes man. And um, to the extent that, you know, that question about have you done something against your first instinct to get social validation? My first instinct is what will get me social validation. So there's no other instinct in play. And, uh, but over the years, I've realized that being too much of a yes man, being too much of someone who is in agreement with anything anyone says is actually counterproductive to getting social validation. Uh, and, and, 
when it when you talk about social validation or attention or uh, acceptance um there are two ways of getting it one is sort of having when you talk about the equation between two people who are with within a group it is at the same level of almost sort of mutual respect and the other one is at a unequal distribution of level of attention where there's it's always sort of one sided where one person says something and the other person even then you are getting some sort of acceptance but that's different from the first kind and uh in my experience now um actually disagreeing with people and going against what uh you know what everyone else is saying actually leads to slightly more fleshed out sort of interactions and relationships and even it's it's funny because even in this podcast if you look at our earlier episodes uh we'd get someone on board and the guest would say something and then akshata would be like yeah i agree with you and you know this is my take on it and then i would say something like oh yes i also agree and it sort of became a circle jerk and uh that's sort of the thing is wh- while we're recording it it seems very uncomfortable to disagree with someone uh and you know go against oh i i don't i don't get it can you tell me more about it or i disagree with you because it's more comfortable when you're going through like recording a podcast but as a listener i feel it's more interesting when people disagree the the episodes where you know the guest has disagreed or uh me and akshita have disagreed have turned out to be better episodes because our thought process was fleshed out uh although now i feel like my my intuitive reaction to things is not validation seeking in in a bid to eventually get validation so it's kind of almost <laughs> multiple layers of uh you know getting to the final end goal but okay let's let's get to the the title or question for this episode why, why do you think people crave social acceptance um i think there would be several reasons to it but if i had to go with one of the main things it's yeah the first thing is the fear of being left out i think one of the main reasons why we really crave it is because we don't want to know that we don't fit into a circle i think it it's nice to feel wanted and to be included and i think it stems from that fear of rejection and that's really where we crave it um and to build on that like exactly right when you meet new people and you're in this environment where you've probably not established that relationship with them you just scared that they won't accept you and they won't include you and you don't want to be rejected because that is your first impression with them and you just want to build that connect and i think that's definitely one of the reasons why we do crave it and the second piece to it which i've come to realize and i just keep touching on it is the fact from a work perspective i do think that the reason why a lot of people crave it is i do think it plays a big role in your chance to progress and succeed at the workplace as well and i've recognized it a lot with you know when you're working with different teams and you're working with people who have a different perspective to you you tend to get more chances when you build that connection with them and you're accepted by them and i think that tendency to want that acceptance and validation really kicks in from that perspective because you have a lot at stake and i think it definitely helps to build that so those are definitely the two things that i see as to why we uh akshita is there anything you would want to add to that or disagree with akshita on that <laughs> no not really uh, i just had this thought so every diverse perspectives is always the one thing that you know business school etc any organization recruitment kind of look for uh, and that is in this in the sense talking about this right different opinions coming together but then when as you said on a when there is an actual situation where you know you need to bring in different or diverse perspectives people tend to start conforming to the same uh, opinion either because 
they all do genuinely believe in the same opinion or because nobody wants to disagree with something that is popular which is a popular opinion so i don't know i haven't really i don't know if i've faced that in in a work setting but since arpita mentioned that i just want to ask have you like faced this kind of situation where there is an importance of diverse perspective but it's all kind of been the same opinion because people just want to kind of uh, be accepted into that conversation have you faced that in a work or a professional setting or anup yeah so this is like the classic behavioral finance in there there's an analysis of so you have all these like hedge funds and uh, pension funds and um, university endowment funds and they have sort of these committees of people 10 11 people who make decisions about where to invest money and they almost always end up making really bad decisions and that is because of the principle of like for example if you have uh, a group of 12 people and one person disagrees uh, he's going to be shot down um, because you know the majority sort of rules and because of that uh, the decisions always end up being like the, the the value of multiple people being in that sort of decision making body goes away uh, and uh, they make poor decisions the bigger the team size gets Uh, and that is why people say like for example if you have if you have a meeting you should you should get everyone to write down their thoughts before the meeting starts because what happens is when the meeting starts and person a says something and person b says something c d e f after that will start like i said if you were strongly against a you'll go to being weakly against a and by the time it comes to the last person he might even do a 180 degree flip on him because he wants to conform to the room and uh, they are so so i mean it's it's been studied across years across teams across uh, committees uh, and that is like a pro- proper like a behavioral this kind of reminds me of like a jury in a sense where uh, there are 12 people who need to make a decision based on something and i think you're not allowed to speak to other jury members during the trial or some there's a rule like that um not really sure but if there is a rule like that it kind of makes sense to avoid such conforming of opinions just because there is a majority and there's a minority but yeah it just when you said 12 people i just completely i was like oh jury duty what are your thoughts on that yeah no i agree with that and to actually add on to the whole jury duty bit as well like that's exactly why they don't try and get people who have some form of an emotional connect that topic as well because you tend to form that bias and you just conform to what that person is thinking i think that's really where yeah this whole social acceptance piece kicks in as well and outside of that yeah i do think generally people don't want to take accountability to like from a work perspective i think one of the main reasons why you tend to conform to it is because you don't want to take that accountability for risk and the downside to that is really really high so you tend to just conform to what everyone else is thinking because if it does go downhill at the end of the day you're not your neck isn't on the line for what's happened and i do think that's definitely um a problematic piece from a work environment i mean i think it's something that we all tend to agree with even though we're consciously aware of the fact that we're just agreeing with what the other person's saying so that we don't get called out for it but you tend to do it just because you don't want to have that your name there if everything does go down south fair point okay final question do you think our actions should be social acceptance validation seeking or should one make an effort to reel that in and do less uh, this was my question as well like i was just want to ask both of you all first of all do you think this social acceptance is a positive or a negative aspect because i personally feel like it's neither 
it isn't a negative thing as well you it's 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 sometimes good to be wanting to be socially accepted not to an extent where it's toxic for you or where you're only pining for that um so i wanted to get your thoughts on whether you think it's a negative or a positive thing to get this kind of approval in life i like how i asked the, i asked i played it around, around. <laughs> i played it around i was waiting for you to say that uh, uh, i feel like this is one skill i've learned during this podcast you know when i don't know how to answer I just play it around back at you one <laughs> um i thought i was wishing she could also just start asking questions to us instead of yeah <laughs> uh, Okay, so so my my thing on this is that every time you behave in a way which is social acceptance seeking, you get likability. Uh, but every time you do uh, things that are not social acceptance seeking, as long as they're completely not bonkers, uh, I feel like it does build some level of respect and almost people, depending on the context, fear you. So it's like you have uh, two. sort of levers that you're trying to work towards one is likability and one is sort of uh, fear slash power slash respect this is i'm talking more of in like a professional context and uh, the the more you go on like the social acceptance side the more you kind of let go of the other one because people get the idea that they can kind of walk over you now in terms of in general universally should all actions be social validation acceptance seeking i feel like you need to pick your pick your battles with that so like my whole thing about opinions is that there are some things that i care about uh if you disagree with me on that i'm going to get really pissed off and probably be willing to break my relationship with you over those issues there are some things which i could care less so like sports is something that i could care less so alpita if i meet you and you say that you're you know a roger federer fan I'll be like, yeah, he's cool. If I meet you, Akshita, and you say you're a Nadal fan, I'll be like, yeah, cool. I'm okay with it. I honestly don't care, and uh, in fact, that extends to politics as well. I don't really care too much about politics, uh, mostly because I don't think I can make a meaningful impact, and it's sort of like intellectual masturbation when people discuss politics. Uh, but there are things that I do care about, and uh, so, for example. homeopathy is an alternative form of medicine extremely popular in india and some other south asian uh, if you believe in homeopathy i so, i'm sorry i can't be friends with you i cannot have any sort of association with you because i think you are extremely dumb and that sort of gullibility will probably extend to other areas and then the third thing is there are topics and areas where like i say strong opinions weakly held where i might have a strong opinion a polarizing opinion but i don't know enough about it to you know stay like uh, earlier it used to be that i'd make some sort of i'll take some sort of stance and then i would get into a debate where i wasn't even that married to the idea but at the end of it i was defending it so now i'm like if you give me enough information to kind of flip my opinion i'd be happy to do a 180 also uh, so that's kind of my take on it alpita what are your thoughts and after that we get to bully akshita and ask her questions <laughs> just um so yeah i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing or a good thing as well and i think the if i had to talk about the good parts of it i think it's a great way to you know understand what the other person's thinking what they're feeling and kind of trying to build that connect and getting accepted because you tend to find the people that you like i think through understanding their interests it's a way for you to build that connection and be accepted so i think that from a positive perspective i think that need to be approved and validated isn't a bad thing 
Um, I think the problem really lies with when you tend to lose sight of your opinions on topics, for instance, like you enter this whole gray area where you just find that need to constantly seek other people's views on it and you forget what you really do like and dislike and your stance on things. And I think that's when it's problematic. So for instance, like when you want to take a decision on a really big like career change or like you want to take up something personally, but you've you're so afraid to go ahead and do it because you're not sure if everyone around you would like what you're doing and whether that's the right thing. So you find yourself going to each person and asking them whether you know, they have a good idea of it. And if they say yes, then you go and do it. So I think like that need to be a people pleaser is problematic. So I think it's having that moderation and that view of um, yeah whether you do want to be accepted or not. I think it's about having that moderated perspective. And yeah, I do agree with the view that if I if I did come across someone who had a very different perspective to what I did and an opinion on something that I have a very strong um, liking towards, yeah, I do find myself probably not wanting to talk to them as much. I think I would just tend to steer clear of that topic or I would just tend to steer of them. I think in some ways, yeah, I, that does affect me. And I'm glad that you brought up Roger Federer because I am a Roger Federer fan. So I'm glad you associated that correctly with me. So yeah, definitely. And I do feel strongly about that. So I would definitely defend that case if anyone spoke against him. I love the words uh, of that happening. <laughs> good good cash, Anand. <laughs> I think that is 50-50 odds. Uh, yes. and <laughs> I think I got lucky there. Okay, now now come to coming to the part where we bully Akshita. Akshita, do you have a question no. you want to ask her? <laughs> because she no. weaseled out of the previous one. I feel like I'm in an interview. <laughs> it's like those MBA interviews with Matya. Is there anything okay. else? That... Uh, yeah, let's then wrap up. Any final thoughts on the topic? Um, I think it would be more a question for you guys that I was just thinking of. I mean, we spoke a lot about it from like a personal perspective and you know how like we find the need to be socially validated and accepted. But I do think in some ways, it's a way that businesses have profited from, I think. And I wanted to get your views as to whether you guys think that, you know, it's actually a good thing for your stances on that. I mean, I, I guess since it's Pride Month going on, you would have seen those memes about a, uh, a lot of brands are uh, changing, they're changing their logos on social media to the rainbow colored to support Pride Month. But equally, uh, in countries where uh, you know LGBT relationships are not legal, they haven't done that. So it seems like they are willing to uh, you know be this sort of new agey liberal forward progressive brand in geographies where it suits them, but then the ones where it does not, uh, they're not doing that. Similarly, uh, there are some German brands who at one point of time were supportive of uh, Nazi Germany, the Nazi Party, and Hitler, and all of that. And they are staunchly against sort of the LGBT uh, culture and all of that. Like he basically killed people who were homosexuals. But now those same brands are changing their colors to like a rainbow version. The second example, I don't agree with that much because obviously the people who were running those German companies at the time are different today. But this sort of uh, almost hypocrisy of, you know, uh, being progressive in the geographies where it suits them and not talking about it in geographies where it might hit their business is an example of sort of being acceptance validation seeking and uh i mean in terms of it's a good thing or a bad thing it's it's immoral for sure but it's not illegal and if it's when you're when you're running a business 
uh, in sort of like a capitalistic society. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't see anything wrong in that in terms of being hypocritical. You'll have you'll always have uh, people, you know, talking about how immoral you are. But then if you make every decision which is moral, but it might be immoral, but uh, as long as it's legal, it's it's uh, it's fine. Other like if we start getting into the debate about businesses and capitalist societies and hedge funds and private equity funds, all the evil shenanigans that they're up to, I feel like we'll have to start another podcast series. But kind of that. What, what, what do you feel about that? If only I had as much general knowledge as you did about this. But that's a very, I mean, I didn't know about that. Uh, so that's a very apt answer to what Arpita asked. Um, I think as businesses, it is kind of important to... Uh, make sure what location, demographic, geography you're in, trying to conform to that just in terms of keeping the business afloat. I do not know how it's going to pan out if, as as Anak said, if it's a demographic which does not support X and that business is very, very ardently for that. It might affect the business's holdings in general. It also might... Um, I wouldn't say credibility, but it would also, uh, I don't know how to phrase this, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's just important for a business in all terms business, not morality or anything else to kind of keep that uh, sync going between its uh, users, customers and its brand. So in a way, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's something that has definitely been happening over the last how many ever years and probably will also keeps happening. I don't know a lot of brands that are very, very openly vocal about things, even in demographics where it's a very opposite opinionated one. I'll give Do you an you example wanna? of a brand. Uh, huh. So Chick-fil-A is a fast food restaurant in the eastern coast of America. Uh, they're extremely like uh, staunchly Christian to the extent that they're closed on Sundays so that people go to church. And they are against LGBT. Uh, they will fire their employees who are openly LGBT and they get a lot of flack for it. But that is an example of uh, an organization, a business that is not uh, socially, like this is an action that is not socially acceptable. Uh, Again, the argument can be made that they're in like the more red states where sort of this mindset is different, but still uh, that is an example of of a brand that is against topic. But in an opposite kind of scenario where um, it's a state which has banned LGBT, like it's against, and there mm. is such an organization which is which is very ardently for it. Mm. Uh, just a flip over of this Chick-fil-A example. How do you think that will pan out? The, so that is more difficult because again, then it starts becoming illegal there. So if, if for example, uh, Volkswagen changes their logo to the pride flag and uh, they start promoting sort of the LGBT culture, uh, people are, they, they might get, you know, sanctioned fines on them. They, their employees in uh, the Middle East might get put in jail and that sort of a thing. So that makes it harder. But there have been examples, like for example, I think in Russia also, uh, the LGBT uh, is... Being being part of that society, like way of life is um, is illegal. So what people did was when the uh, World Cup was happening there, they put on jerseys of different teams. Uh, so like one dude put on an orange jersey, one dude put on a blue jersey, and but they went around the entire city together, standing side by side. So they made the pride flag. So that was a way of legally protesting and kind of talking about it. That that is an example of it. But as businesses, I don't think. Uh, anytime, so like for example, when Colin Kaepernick 
had that whole kneeling down thing to protest black lives matter uh he got he got a lot of flack and from people and you know saying that he disrespected the us national uh, but nike supported him and and that led to a lot of uh, flack for nike it was uh, reduced sales but nike has a large enough sort of liberal uh, left leaning population that it kind of compensated for that also they increased uh, their brand equity tremendously so so i feel at the end of the day even the most progressive brand your patagonia which is like extremely extremely focused on sustainability um they okay fine this is i i, I don't know at what point does uh, the ethos merge into just branding in when it comes to all of this uh, i i'm not able to kind of dis- dissect where that happens because in my opinion patagonia milks their sort of sustainability focused branding to get that kind of target audience and charge 4x the price of what like a regular puffer jacket would cost interesting i don't know if we answered our first question we kind of went <laughs> i think you guys definitely did yeah i was curious to get a sense of that because i think companies and businesses do definitely benefit from this whole social validation and acceptance piece and i think it's just that like they target their audience they they decide who they're looking after and i think just by attracting a certain sector of people they're able to then build on that their social circle and essentially you know build that brand credibility through that and i do think it's definitely a great way for them to benefit and market their particular products and so i think that's really where it stems from right because as individuals we tend to like things that people in our immediate circle probably like as well once you've got that validation and that credibility is built i think you tend to associate yourself with that brand as well so i think it's a great way for businesses to really benefit from this let's come to the final section which is a funny or insightful thing that's happened to you you read or you've across in a month quarter year life pata do you have anything <laughs> not funny but in some ways i guess i could call it insightful so um i was having this conversation with uh, with my friend she's swedish and we were talking about like our different cultures and generally how you know we the kind of practices that we follow and what we tend to do and she spoke about how she has a tendency to consider herself as an equal in every perspective i think this whole and we started like talking about how you know she finds it awkward to talk about her successes or you know what she's really achieved and to see herself above everyone else and we got to talking about this whole like unspoken law and this cultural norm in like these nordic countries and she's from sweden so we spoke about the law of yante i don't know if you guys have heard of it before but that was the first time i actually got a name to it and that was very interesting because i ended up reading a bit more about it and they spoke about how they have there's this expectation among all of them to not think that they're better than anyone else that there's no hierarchy that everyone should be an equal and just culturally everyone shouldn't see themselves as above or below anyone else so that was very interesting because despite not necessarily still living there she finds herself still conforming to that way of thinking and yeah then i got to reading a lot about it and noticed that habit across other people so that was pretty interesting that according to what's the law that you it's called the law of yante I'll, I'll send you yeah it's it's pretty interesting like i read a lot more about it and it's like watching an interview with a couple of these swedish actors as well and they also spoke about how they have a tendency even if they've like won several awards you know they've achieved a lot it was one of these guys who was on one of i think it was 
on one of these late night shows. And he also spoke about how he found it awkward to really speak of his success because like that's generally not what they do and they just have a tendency to hide and be okay with what they are. That was pretty cool. Uh, especially in like, I, I think I need, need to read up more on like the political ideology. I would think that this sort of a mindset stems from what I meant. Because if that is not the case, they've kind of figured out the right, right uh, fix of how to go about it. Obviously communism sucks. and capitalism also sucks so <laughs> uh, but the nordic countries are are doing really well with however they manage um in terms of the gender pay gap in terms of average life expectancy in terms of just happiness in general so i feel like it definitely warrants more research especially considering they live in a place that is so so cold and depressing <laughs> i don't know how they how they get rated the happiest country in the world um yeah cool I think uh, that that wraps up this episode uh, Apita one final question for you who would you like to see featured next on this podcast I feel like this is the hardest question we've asked her so far in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I will probably pick a name that I've probably spoken most recently to so I'll go with Niharika if she hasn't already All right thankfully and for, for for the first time I know who Niharika is otherwise I get these <laughs> <laughs> recommendations that I have to go look up like who is this person next we'll have we have we'll have niharika uh on all right arpita thank you so much for the joining us today i know it took a few attempts to get all of our timetable sorted out and get something that worked uh but it was really nice having you and discussion um it's a so we generally do this extremely late at night our local time so it was a nice change of pace to do it in the afternoon yeah. exercise and i was just going to mention yeah i was just going to mention that this is the first time we've had from someone who had like a call with someone from the australian time zone which is just so for us we're not we are very used to doing it like 10 pm 11 pm 12 pm in the night uh 12 am in the night sorry and doing it in the afternoon was a very healthy change but yeah um thank you so much for removing this time on a sunday to you know kind of be here and I, as anna said it was kind of difficult uh, to get all the times together but i'm so glad we did um thanks so much for joining us here today Oh, thank you guys for having me here it's been great chatting with you all and also yeah i'm kind of glad i could give you a more comfortable time to do this podcast i'm glad it was in the afternoon so that was easier for me as well so and thanks for rescheduling it i'm sorry i switched it around quite a bit but 